Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Eric's Mino Adventures. Uh, today we're picking up with the second part of my second conversation uh, with my friend Matt about Batman movies. So as I mentioned at the end of the last one, uh, we just were talking for too long. Approaching three and a half hours, four, so we decided to split it up into two episodes. So the first two episodes, or the first episode is, um, if you've listened to it, is The Dark Knight Returns, part one and two, and then The Dark Knight Rises. And this part is Batman v Superman and Return of the Joker. So let's get into it. Take it away, me and Matt. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll go next to Batman v Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice. Uh, I thought it was Batman v Superman Civil War. Oh yeah, it could be that, it could be that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're watching this one because uh, Matt wanted to, <laughs> but also because of how much Batfleck seems to have been influenced by uh, The Dark Knight Rises, like... The, the suit is pretty much identical to the black one. Uh, brutal methods are mostly the same, uh, obviously, aside from the killing, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, the fight with Superman is similar. The mech suit's similar. They both have substance problems, uh, etc. So I'll toss it to you, Matt, to introduce this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, 2016, is when it was released. Uh, at the time, this was kind of... You know, was it DC? Their attempts to kind of beat Marvel. You know, Marvel's at this point in time is ruling the cinema. They still arguably are. Um, and, you know, the DC movies have basically been struggling at this point with, you know, Man of Steel. I think that's basically all they really had come out in this kind of. DCEU uh, post The Dark Knight Returns and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was kind of like their big we gotta beat the Avengers we gotta prove that we can do this too gotta get some of that MCU money uh, at least that's how I kind of took it you know when when in doubt break glass give us Batman v Superman um, so this movie stars Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and Batman we see Henry Cavill return as Clark Kent Superman. Amy Adams returns as Lois Lane. Arguably a very... Uh, oh, I'm not even going to say it's arguably. It's a poor choice, but Jesse Eisenberg as Lex <laughs> Luthor. I do not agree with it all, but it is what it is. And those are kind of your big immediate standouts. But included in this, you also have the introduction of Wonder Woman, which starts to really, when you start getting into the movie, you know, her inclusion really uh, compounds on the problem of too much going on. Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, sorry, is our Wonder Woman, our first cinematic Wonder Woman, I believe. Um, and Linda Carter might have been in like a TV movie, but like fully cinematic, I think that is correct. Yeah. So you basically, in this one movie, you have Batman, Superman, Lois, Lex, Wonder Woman, 
technically you also get Doomsday. Like, you get a lot of big-name characters here. You even get cameos from Aquaman and The Flash and Cyborg. And I think at the end you also get Deathstroke in, like, post-credits. No, Deathstroke uh, is in the Justice League post-credits. That's in the Justice League one, okay. Yeah. So, still, you get about half a dozen huge Justice League-type characters all in one I think this movie's what two and a half, almost three hours long. Oh, the Ultimate Edition's over three hours. It's it's over three. Yeah, okay, it's like three yeah, hours so and four minutes or something. I think just the basic Dawn of Justice, not Ultimate. You're looking at two and a half hours. Yeah, it's two which and a half. is about the same as the Dark Knight Returns uh, animated movie. And what's really interesting about Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice is that this movie is basically focused on the part two of the dark knight returns and it the length is the entire run of that entire animated series and where it's so focused on say one part of a story it's so bloated with all this other stuff that it's so disjointed from start to finish uh that's a very brief my opinion on the movie you can kind of figure out from there i think it's a really bloated movie with too many characters but more importantly, this kind of general plot comes out. It's a sequel to Man of Steel. Barely. <laughs> Barely. But, you know, it's kind of an immediate kind of pickup from that. Uh, you see that the world has changed with the introduction of the Superman. You know, before Man of Steel, you didn't really get a sense that there was anything crazy going on in the world. You know, there maybe was a Batman mysterious character somewhere, superhero there, here. But it wasn't until Man of Steel Superman where aliens have attacked Metropolis and thousands are dead in the fight versus Superman and Zod. And, you know, this movie really picks up immediately kind of after that and you see the fallout of that first movie. And I will say that the premise... Uh, the conflict between Batman and Superman being a lot of the fallout from the first movie, the destruction that was caused in the first movie, which everybody made fun of when it first came out, Man of Steel, was just how many buildings were destroyed and people were probably being killed everywhere. Like That was a real solid motivator for Batman, I think, in this movie. But uh, anyway, it picks up. You see uh, the Man of Steel kind of struggling to smile he's dealing with the fact that he is <laughs> portraying Did you, he just, he's struggling to smile he doesn't smile I think at all in this movie he yet. smiles <laughs> like twice maybe he uh you know he, he's going around saving everybody that he can but the whole time the media is blasting him for maybe not saying it, saving enough people you know he's very early on um how i describe the word is he's kind of he's a rookie well he's a rookie at the whole superhero thing in the first movie he was kind of just stepping up to the plate when big bad guys showed up but in this one he's he's kind of really jumped in to the deep end and he's trying to save as many people as he can and unfortunately uh he gets kind of played out that he apparently murders a bunch of people somewhere in a foreign country. 
Yeah. And Africa, the whole think. the whole movie kind of plays on the idea that, you know, does the world need a Superman? Uh, did Superman do these things? Did he not do these things? And that's the whole argument on that side of the story is what is he to everybody else? Alternatively, you have Batman Bruce Wayne having these kind of dialogues with other characters being like, hey, this guy destroyed a whole city, essentially, and we need to be prepared for the when or if this happens again. Like, we can't trust a guy that could do this before. If there's a chance he can do it once, he can do it again. We can't take any risks. And over the course of the movie, you have... You know Lex Luthor. You know what's funny of... though? That, yeah, I was gonna say, that's that's Lex Luthor's exact argument. Those are pretty much word for word what Lex says too. <laughs> yeah, uh, you kind of have Lex Luthor trying to plot these two against each other, and it's just it's very like we talked about how the plot for the bad guys didn't make sense in the last movie, The Dark Knight Rises. Lex is plan is very weird in this one yep his plan (laughs) makes sense but the problem is it makes sense if everything goes perfectly as to how he planned it there's his his plan doesn't allow for contingencies and luckily there's no need for any contingencies because it goes exactly how he plans it (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i almost wish that this movie like it starts out with the whole Superman in Africa problem and you get like Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne during the Metropolis attack. If the movie literally just focused on those two people somehow coming together but then being in conflict with just each other, no Lex Luthor, no this, no that, like just the kind of problem there, I think it would have been vastly better than what we ended up actually getting. I agree. Um let me see here. So I'll I'm just gonna hop in here because I have some. This is one of the ones where I wrote very differently. I wrote it, uh, like I mentioned, I wrote it where I followed the plot. So I might, I got because where we're kind of getting into the plot now. I'm gonna just add some some things. Um, so before the movie even started, I just I took some notes on what my thoughts were at the time. So before I watched it, because I sometimes I like to do that and see if my thoughts change once I watch it. Um, general consensus at this point, like DC movies had been rough of late. They're still rough. Um, I love Man of Steel. Man of Steel is up there as one of my favorite DC movies and one of my just favorite comic book movies generally. Um, so I was super hyped for this movie when it was announced. Would I have preferred just a straight-up Man of Steel sequel? Yes. <laughs> but still, uh, I'm actually a bit of a fan of this movie. Like, I complained about watching it, but that was more just because it was so long rather than anything else. Um, like, I'll defend it to people who says it sucks because I don't think it does. I just think it's very long, and it tries to cram in too many stories, plot lines, etc. Like, like, we spend a super long time following Lois, as she tries to learn about a bullet that we already know everything about before she even finds it as an audience. So that that right there is you're like, you know everything about this, but we're still going to make you come along and watch this anyways. Like, well, 
we could have done done without that. It's just busy work to give her something to do to ultimately get her to Lex. Yeah. So I feel like they should not... There's a way that they could have changed that. Um, I haven't watched this movie since Justice League came out. So, like, a bunch of friends and I watched the Ultimate Edition before, like, Ultimate, like, right before we went to see the Justice League. Uh, as some of them had not seen the Ultimate Edition, a.k.a. the better edition. <laughs> My general thoughts before I watched it uh, was that I was dreading it, like I said, because of the length. But I like Batfleck. I like his story. And I think he looks great in the suit. And as Bruce Wayne, like he's the most animated series-looking Batman to date. Yeah. Um, I think they could have been way better served to have had a Batman solo movie before this. Or just to spend more of the runtime showing us how tired and worn down and fed up he is to make his obsession with Superman make a little bit more sense. But that's just me. I don't think they show nearly enough for why he's so obsessed with taking out Superman. Um, That's... But, like, it's fine. Um... I still love Henry Cavill. He's my favorite theatrical Superman because he's the most comet accurate in my mind. Um, like, he looks the part. Uh, Tom Welling still holds this top spot as my favorite Superman actor, though. I just. Ten years of Smallville made that pretty hard to change. Um, I do not like Lexi Lutherberg. Uh, he annoys me. His plan is super convoluted. And, like I said, it only seems prepared for these certainties with no backups or alternative. Uh, like the Leto Joker, I kind of latched on to the fan theory that he was Lex Jr. And that the real, legit Lex was out there somewhere. And that he'd come out of the like the woodworks and take over. But it does not seem to be that way. Um, I guess we can try to kind of excuse his craziness by saying that like he's being, like he was controlled or influenced by Darkseid. Because they kind of hint at that. Yeah. But so like maybe in his other appearances he's going to be a little more normal, but I doubt it. Because <laughs> um, I know he's coming back. Uh, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, I like. Uh, he's the kind of sophisticated, but with the bite and sass behind it, that is fun. He's like what Gotham tried to do with their Alfred, but better because Gotham's Alfred is just gruff. Like he's gruff and like he he doesn't seem like a high class guy. He just seems like a a random dude that they got as a butler. <laughs> He's not super classy, but Jamie Irons has that kind of class and stuff that even comes with the... Well, you can still... Like, you look at him and you go, yeah, he could probably kick some ass, but also... He's also very classy. Um, yeah. Uh, Gal Gadot is good in this movie. Uh, I like her. She's not really how I personally picture Wonder Woman. Like, she doesn't really fit Wonder Woman in my mind, but no one has that's been cast as Wonder Woman yet. Uh, so I, I like out of all of them, she's she's been the best. Uh, she's enjoyable and likable in the movies, and she does what she needs to do well enough. So like, good. Um, the movie starts. You didn't really mention it, and I don't know if you were going to mention it later. But the movie starts with uh, the flashbacks of the Waynes dying again, uh, and Bruce falling down the well. I could have done without seeing that. I know why they did it. It was to set up the Martha thing for the end Martha, of the movie, Martha, Martha. and it was to plant the seeds for a potential Flashpoint film. They're like, hey, look who we got if we're going to do a Flashpoint film. We've got L- Negan and, and Lauren from The Walking Dead. Like, 
but we've seen it too many times and then like i i would be fine never seeing it again like it's like uncle ben it's like uncle ben we've seen any and the, the weird thing is though like it we feel like we've seen uncle ben a lot but we've only seen uncle ben die twice we i i've seen bruce wayne's parents die upwards of like 10 times <laughs> and i'm tired of it <laughs> yeah you basically i think you've seen it especially the older movies you've you saw it in every single movie yep uh, you might not see it in batman returns but you see it in every other one uh you see it in in batman begins you see it in arkham asylum arkham city and i believe in arkham knight uh you see it in year one you see it in dark knight returns you see it in this you see it in the joker and that's just the ones off the top of my head that you see it in yeah like it's the batman stuff is definitely oversaturated by the death of his parents and like you mentioned unfortunately it's in this case it's uh thrown in your face quite often because they want to do the layup on the whole Martha uh, plot point later. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, right after the flashpoint, we cut to um, the Metropolis attack from Man of Steel, and we get to just follow Bruce's perspective of it. Which and is I, awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love that entire thing that whoever had that idea inspired. Like, it's it's so good. Uh, the moment, like, every, like, a lot of people doubted Batfleck. Um, because they don't like Ben Affleck, or they remember Daredevil, and they just didn't want another Daredevil. Uh, and the moment people stopped doubting Batfleck was the moment in the trailer when you see everyone is running away from like that the big wall of smoke that's coming during the attack, and you see Bruce running into it. And that's when people were like, okay, I'm going to take a sigh of relief, and we're just going to wait and see now. Uh, and I, I love that scene. Um, what I don't get about this scene is why Jack and all the like other Wayne Enterprises people waited until Bruce got there and called them to leave the building. Like poor management team. Like Jack's death is not on Superman or Zod, it's on Jack. <laughs> like unless the stairs were closed the whole time or something, they had so much time to get down the building. So I I hate that um Bruce seeing someone literally getting orphaned and then looking up and seeing Superman, though, is such a good shot and a good idea. Like, you are building the animosity right away. And you can kind of say, like, like, you can say that Superman isn't to blame for this, but for the people in this world, he's, he was there, he was a part of all this destruction, they don't know the backstory, and he's also the only one left. So they're going to blame him. But on the other hand, uh, the way I look at it, and it's the way I looked at Civil War, like the best way to look at these situations from the outside is would this still have happened or would it have been worse if Superman wasn't there? And the answer in this case is yes. It would have still happened, likely. And if it had still happened, it would have been worse. Zod would still have been in the Phantom Zone and he would have eventually gotten out. Because they, them getting out had nothing to do with Clark. And their plan would have been to check all of the planets that they had sent research things to to find one that they could inhabit. So the odds of them 
getting to Earth were quite high. Like, the reason why they went to Earth first is because Clark accidentally sets off the thing in the ship, like the, the signal in the ship, when he goes to it. And that's what alerts them that this thing's been activated on Earth, so that's why they go there first. So there's is there a chance they would have found a different planet that they could have tried to take over? Yes, but the odds of them getting to Earth at some point were very high. And the only defense Earth would have had without Superman is Batman, Wonder Woman, an Aquaman who doesn't really know what he's doing, a Flash who looks like a hippie, and Cyborg. They would nothing. Nothing good would have come from that because they wouldn't have even had kryptonite yet. So they they would have all died. <laughs> I don't know about Wonder Woman. I think she might have been able to hold hold her own. Do you think? Maybe, but not. I think not long enough for the world engine to do the world engine stuff. Cause oh, I, I guess that thing. Because the only thing that stopped the world engine was Clark's ship and the Phantom Zone key. Like, <laughs> um. That's my opinion on that in, in regards to, like, people blaming Superman. Like, when people talk about Man of Steel and they're like, he caused so much destruction. Like, yeah, he did, but he he was fighting people trying to save the world. Like, collateral damage, unfortunately, is a thing. And it would have been worse if he wasn't there. <laughs> so. I mean, this movie does, like, we, this is one of the things I was more interested in talking about once we got to it was like that media component you know in the dark knight returns movie you know you get a lot of like additive you know this is going on and this is a brief little thing and this is going on in this movie uh like where you're talking about how if you know if superman wasn't here would zod still have come and destroyed the planet well superman by the sounds of it has never gotten in front of the camera and explained his side of anything to anybody. Like they were surprised when he just showed up that one time for a meeting. The, all all the movie channels were talking about like all these what if questions about Superman and asking Superman to answer for this and answer for that. And he clearly has not been doing that at all. So I feel like a lot of uh, I don't know like what he decided to do after the first movie like i know he's running around helping people but like it doesn't really seem like he's done himself any favors well all he did was he went to like at the end of man of steel he goes to the guy uh the who is apparently the martian manhunter but we'll, we'll find that out later um he goes to him and says like i'm just this is my home uh I'm going to be doing this, so let me. And the government essentially goes, okay. <laughs> like, he, 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 that's pretty much it. He goes to them and says to them, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help people. You can't stop me. And they're like, yeah, fair enough. Because <laughs> that, that's, like, pretty much how Man of Steel ends. So that's how they're acting. That's why the government really doesn't say anything. It's, it's random people and this random senator who are like mostly talking about Superman. It's not like the people actually in charge who seem concerned about him. Because yeah. they gave him the okay. <laughs> but I mean, like no one's tweeting like like Superman's not sending any tweets saying like, "Hey, don't worry guys, I got I got it taken care of." 
but he doesn't, guys he doesn't, people he doesn't do that anyways. <laughs> no, but like, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, look at Justice League. There's that one scene where, uh, right off the bat with the mustache CGI, where he's, like, sitting on the, like, there's the camera going and he's talking to some kids. Yeah. You have no sense of him doing anything like that in this. Yeah, true. They could have they could have easily done a thing where he does an interview with Lois. Like, yeah, that it's weird. He, I think, I think the point they're trying to get across is that, that like at this point he's still like defensive and stuff. Yeah. But like, uh, or he's not quite sure where he fits, so he doesn't act. But I agree. That's that's something they could they at least could have tried to explain. Um, and yeah, I, I do kind of get get to that later but um i'm gonna try to stay sequentially where we are so we go to africa because we you mentioned that a few times uh lois is there for an interview and they do a confusing inclusion of jimmy olsen even though man of steel has a character called jenny olsen who is supposed to be like this world's version of jimmy so i was a little confused by that but it's okay because he gets shot in the head right away and and he's gone uh I understand that this sequence is part of Lex's plan, and you kind of touch on it too, that I think the movie could have really done without this entire part. Uh, especially since the whole bit of it is supposed to be, oh, maybe Superman killed these people. But we know he didn't. He knows he didn't. It should have been obvious that he didn't, yet he still acts kind of guilty at times about it. Yeah. To like kind of like push it along that maybe he did do it. <laughs> But uh, and that comes across better in the, um, the the theatrical cut because the theatrical cut I think doesn't show the guy burning all the bodies. That's only in the ultimate edition. Um, but uh, let's 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 carry this train of thought forward. Okay, so they 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 shoot everyone and then they light the bodies on fire to like hide the stuff. Okay, but. We know that th- that this village is being surveilled because we see them watching. So it would show them first that Superman left before any of those people were killed. <laughs> and it also would show that the bodies were torched because if they examined the bodies, they would still see the bullet holes. Like <laughs> They'd still be able to tell that like cause of death was bullet hole. <laughs> but, I mean, more than likely, yeah. Well, yeah, they would have done the autopsy on jimmy for at least at least they would have done it on jimmy yeah so i i didn't know like i i thought early on like because i even make a note of it here that like he leaves before all the civilians are killed but when i i noticed in the later scene where where the lady's talking about like the fake actress is talking about what happened they're saying that after superman like superman killed all the people that were kind of like there and because he killed those people this guy's army came in and killed everyone in the village. So like super, like that 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 wouldn't have happened if Superman hadn't interfered. So that's so even like they're saying yes he killed these people, but also he caused all these other people to die as part of it. Um so I didn't I didn't notice that right away, but I noticed at this time when I was when I was watching it. Uh even though like, yeah, still like I think autopsies would have shown that he didn't kill them. Um and then they would know from Metropolis that, like, just or watching him any time that that's not how his heat vision works. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, um, they're trying to get the, across the idea that, uh, like, and they get to it in that media thing that the people should control him, and and what he can do and should do, 
uh, and it just doesn't. I think it's it doesn't really make much sense because you can't control them. Like that's kind of the whole point. Um, but yeah, do you have anything to add on the Africa bit? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, every time I like when I rewatch this movie, um, obviously I had watched it just after, or shortly thereafter, The Dark Knight Returns, and. I, I was thinking of this Africa scene and I'm like, why like is it just a, is it just supposed to be a cool introduction for Superman? Like, oh here he is saving Lois Lane again? Like originally that's kind of how I had taken it, you know? Like, oh, here's Superman, he's the guy. He's going to go rescue his girl again and yeah, clearly there's some extra bad guys doing some extra stuff here but you know it, it I think it would have been a way stronger um, start to the movie if you know you had cause like, again I don't remember if you said this start takes place after the Bruce running through the old Man of Steel stuff or not yeah I already can't remember which order it goes in yeah so it's it goes uh, the movie opens with uh, Bruce's flashback to his parents then it opens so when his parents died then it goes to the metropolis attack and then we get the two or three years later thing and then Mm -hmm. it's africa okay so like it would have been way cooler if you did the bruce thing and then you show superman literally rebuilding the city afterwards they just cut that whole africa stuff out and just have all your media related stuff be hey he's just running around the city trying to fix things yeah and then you still have other people in the media being like well he did still try to break stuff like i get that lex is obviously trying to create this big elaborate plan but his plan would have really just instantly gone out the window of one of the local guys just killed lois yeah so the the africa thing is solely uh for two things i think it's to to get Lois's storyline going and it's to uh, I don't know if it's either pro- it's Lex proving that he knows Superman because like I'm assuming there's been other instances where she's in danger and he's shown up to save her so he set this up to put her in danger because he knew Superman would show up to save her but then like I said that's you could take all of that out and like and you said it too take all of that out and I think what you said there about like make another news like montage set before the the two three year jump, or even like use that to bridge the gap, and just another montage of him saving people or him fixing the trying to fix help fix the city, and just com like have different people's opinions commenting on Superman, and that like oh he's a great guy and he saved us and then that showed the statue going up and then other people being like oh he's an alien get him out of here blah 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 yeah that would have been so much better i think to set it up you really do have and you could even say like hey maybe lex because they do talk about it briefly like it's kind of almost you hear it all in the background throughout the story is that lex is doing a lot of this kind of uh ad publicity he's pushing a lot of it you know what i mean you could have just instead of killing a bunch of people in Africa and doing all of that, you could just had him further pushing the bad publicity on Superman that further pushes Batman too. Yeah. 
I agree. There's, there, there's, uh, like in hindsight, there is definitely better ways that they could have done it. Um, yeah. And there's for a lot what of, it is. yeah, for what it is, and there's ways that they could have changed things for sure. Uh, the next bit of the movie uh, is Batman. So they, well, it's, we follow two cops who go to save some trap, like people who are getting trafficked, and it's Batman saving them. And he's just kind of hanging in the rafters. Like it's, I like that he's so blendy there that people miss the hulking man just chilling in the corner. Like he's just, he's just up there. Uh, but they do this to kind of set up the theme that Batman isn't a good guy anymore. He's not considered one of the good guys. Because the young cop uh, is shooting at Batman. And then the other cop comes in and he accidentally shoots at him thinking that it's Batman. And the other cop says, uh, how about you try not to shoot the good guys? So they're just trying to put these little things out there that, that Batman is not considered to be one of the good guys anymore, or he was never considered to be one of the good guys in this world. It's not super clear. but um, Even the people he saves are scared to come out because he's still there. Yeah, so they, they're, they're getting across that, that he's, at least at this point in time, he's this mean, like, not good guy that that people are, are afraid of, um, which, again, is something that they included to build to the Martha thing, uh, which I have a big rant on once we get there. So, <laughs> uh, we get a weird scene where Lois has a really milky bath that I presume only existed so we could see Henry Cavill shirtless. Uh, he smiles there, by the way. Because <laughs> he gets... One time. He gets some bath. He gets some bath giggity, <laughs> and then we cut to the first shot of the new Batcave, and we get a nice scene between Alfred and Bruce. I think the new Batcave looks super cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new Batcave? You know, I couldn't even tell the difference between the new Batcave and the uh, like. I thought it was just like the inside of Wayne Manor or something. Well, like he, looked... they're not even that Wayne Manor. That's because remember Wayne Manor got burned. Is uh, well, you see in Justice League, and I think he goes yeah. there in this movie. Like it's been burned down. Like it's you see it in the background. I think for sure. Yeah, it's in like it's in disrepair. Like he has a new house somewhere else. But like I, I just kind of, I never really looked at it as like a new Batcave because it's not really a cave. It's just like a really high-tech facility well it's it's not like yeah it's like an underground what's well, i guess it's under the, the lake like uh thing like yeah but okay fair enough um we get uh the first one of the first dark uh dark knight returns references here uh when bruce and alfred are talking and he says we've always been criminals like yeah uh that's pretty much a pull right from from the Dark Knight Returns, because I feel like he says that in, in that as well. Uh, and we get a reference to KG Beast, but uh, Ben Affleck says his name wrong. Uh, Anatoly Knezev is how you say it, and he says it wrong. But anyways. Um, and we find out, we get our, this is the next scenes where we get our first introdu- introduction <laughs> to Lex, because um, he's at Lex Corp playing basketball or something. Uh, and some government people are coming to visit him because he wants kryptonite and he wants them to sign off on him bringing some kryptonite in. But, like, that's something I don't get because he's obviously, like, into criminal stuff. So just smuggle it like you eventually end up doing because you telling them that you want it and them saying no makes you a suspect. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. You can sneak a bomb 
into the like into Congress, you can't get a rock across the border. But he does get the rock across the border. He's like, like, like I don't know why he asks for it. <laughs> Just go get it. And in this short introduction scene to Lex, he makes like five different weird mouth noises. He's like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Has uh, Jesse Eisenberg ever said anything about why he performed this movie if, the way if, he did? If he has, I haven't looked for it because I just I, I don't care. <laughs> I'd love to have some sort of insight into that because I mean, it is weird. It's so Isn't weird. It? But uh, this scene is also kind of important because it introduces Kryptonite and it introduces the metahuman thesis. Which is important, I guess, since they wanted to stuff everything that they needed for a Justice League movie into this movie. Uh, so I guess all that stuff needed to be there. Yeah, Lex was, uh, he was really busy. He even made icons, like logos for all of our just, future he Justice League sh- He sure did, and... that was very kind of him. Don't have to branding. Yeah. <laughs> We get we get us uh, the first scene with the fake actress lady who's pretending to be like a child of some of the people in the African village, uh, which is something that in the in the ultimate edition they make it very clear that she's an actress and then she gets killed, like because she's paid by Lex to make all this stuff up. In the in the theatrical version, they never reveal that. Oh really? Yeah, no. Her story, like in the theatrical version, his sto- her story's never disproven or anything. Huh. That's one of the things that gets cut out. But anyways, uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is she she says a line that uh, Superman essentially uh, is choosing which lives count and which lives do not. And I think that's a really good point because I think it gets to the ethos of Superman really well. Because he's, he's someone, he wants a normal life. Like he wants to just live on this earth. Like that that's his home. And to do that, he can't save everyone all the time so he has to somehow choose he has to choose when to tune out the world that he could probably always hear if he wanted to he has to choose like when not to get involved and it's a weight that he has to always carry which is part of what i love about superman like it's like i remember there's a comic where something i don't remember what happened but he's just walking. It's just him walking like across America because something big has happened and he just has to like he just has to come to terms once again with like what he what he because of what he's chosen, because of the fact that he wants to live this normal life, what he has to do and sometimes like it 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 doesn't work and it's just I recently watched into the Spider-Verse again and it's a similar they have a similar line in that from Spider-Ham <laughs> where he says the the thing about what we do is sometimes you can't save everyone. And I feel like that's that's a, a thing that a lot of people don't get about Superman. Like even if he decided to always be Superman, he still couldn't save everyone. There'd be times like there's 7 billion people on the planet. There's times he's going to have to choose. And like if you want, he could choose to save no one. <laughs> that would probably be worse. Um, I also uh, appreciate that they took t- the time to show Clark reporting because that's a really big part of his character that he's a reporter so they actually yeah. included some of that it's only in the Ultimate Edition but I like that they, they included it 
Yeah, it's really cool that he, you know, obviously as Clark Kent, he's he's still he's using it as a way to kind of do his own research into things that he's actually passionate about trying to look into more. And he obviously gravitates onto the whole Gotham Bat vigilante kind of thing versus Perry White's Gotham football. Um, and he, you see that, that he wants to push to, to cover the things that matter to him, that would matter to him as Superman as well. And uh, it is really good to see that. Uh, so the next scene we get is uh, is Batman doing some detectiving, which is which is nice, uh, and it leads to one of the best moments in this movie. It's one of my favorite, and I think it's one of the one of the better Batman moments. And it's just really small, so it's weird that I like it this much, but I love it. So we're at like a fight club in this bar, and a fighter falls into Bruce, and Bruce just leans down and whispers to him, and then pushes him back in, and then the guy wins the fight. Like, I love it. He just, he told, like, just from watching this fight, he knew how this guy could win it. He tells him, the guy goes and he wins it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's amazing. Uh, and, I, and I just love that. Yeah, it's great because, you know, it, it showcases, you know, that valuable Batman skill set, right? Like, he can read a situation and he's not even the one fighting, but he can see you know what needs to be done to win a fight and it's an early thing that you can see that he really picks up picks up on a they show off really well is that he can you know kind of navigate that which is really cool yeah no it's it's great um another thing they decided to do in this movie which is kind of weird uh is they decided to make clark clueless of like the news in the world which doesn't really make sense because like like yes he's just and un- he's unveiling himself to the public over the last few years but he has still lived in this world all over it for like the last 30 years he would know who bruce wayne is he would know who batman is like i don't know why they chose to have him so clueless about everything except like it, it's obviously just for exposition like movie exposition but it's still a weird a weird decision yeah uh but based on that we also get a lot of uh lawrence fishburne <laughs> with this reporting stuff and i love his performance in this uh, like and how he plays this character but his character is just so weirdly aggressive and he looks at clark and somehow thinks nerd <laughs> like yeah okay <laughs> yeah the person requested uh clark kent cover the story must have a thing for nerds. Yeah, it's like, this guy's jacked. He's a six like, foot four jacked man. <laughs> are you gonna call him a nerd? Just he's got glasses on. Is that really what you're you're basing that whole thing on? Yep, that's what it's based on. Glasses. <laughs> he literally comes from a farm. Yep, it's it's weird. Uh, so the next thing we get is is um, another one with Lex. And as much as I dislike Jexy Eisenthor's uh, performance. I actually do like this scene in the office with the senator lady because he kind of just flips the switch from being quirky and weird to just being kind of like aggressively crazy when he's talking about the red capes are coming and like uh, uh, angels coming from hell. Like, <laughs> uh, I hate the music in the scene though at the end of it. Like that weird, like it's, I don't know if it's violin or whatever, but it's like, like yeah. I, I hate that. Um, 
But the, then we get to the a pretty big part of this movie, which is uh, Bruce's visions. How do you feel about the inclusion of Bruce having like visions in this movie? I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I, I, I never got it the first time, and I still don't understand it this time. Because... Like, I could maybe see, um, like, if these visions are along the same lines of how Lex probably got visions, maybe. Because you don't really find out how Lex really got, you know, his insight into the kryptonite, into building this big plan. Like, did Darkseid reach out to him before somehow? Like, you don't really get that. Mm. So is this, these visions that Bruce is getting somehow being planted in his mind by Darkseid and then all of a sudden it transitions to Flash so is this kind of like Darkseid's imprinting these things into Bruce because then Darkseid knows that they'll go to like fight each other and he'll always think that Superman's bad and it's the same sort of information that Lex is getting like is that kind of the idea that's maybe where I've kind of landed with it all but it doesn't really make sense <laughs> right. to me. Yeah, I uh, I like them and I don't like them. So I think the movie could have done without them. Oh, yeah. But they all kind of have cool aspects to them. So, like, in the first one, uh, it's, it shows his mother and, what his, and shows that what he's become haunts him. Because, like, you see him go to his mother's grave and then, like, a bat creature. Yeah. A terrifying bat creature emerges from it. So it's showing in that one that he's still guilty. Uh, it's Martha shadowing that people seem to ignore as well. But um, <laughs> it shows that he still feels guilty about his parents. He feels guilty about what he's become. Like he, he recognizes that he's become this bat creature that terrifies people. And I like that. And I also like how there's the sound of the world engine going off in the background because that still haunts him too. Yeah, That's really cool. Uh, the second one is a cool scene in itself, but it's it's weird, and we get like a very injustice esque Superman who I guess has lost it after Lois's death, uh, a reaction that the films have not earned yet, but it's still I think I think it's more of a realization of Bruce's fears at the time of what Superman could be rather than in like an injustice thing. And there's also some dark side shadowing, which I guess is nice if we're going right to dark side immediately. Um, and it also has some some Dark Knight Returns influence in it, with Batman leading like a Sons of Batman esque gang. But it also just has Batman killing a bunch of people, which he wouldn't do. <laughs> and then he wakes up to an I am from the Flash, which is either the third vision or it's real. I think it it's supposed to be real. But I don't actually know. I don't. I, I. I don't know if they fully confirmed it or not. But yeah, they're weird. Like the first one, you could kind of just excuse for a, a dream, yeah. like a, a bad dream that he's having. Uh, the second one, I. I don't really get, because um, it's like it's like, quasi prophetic. But, I. I don't know. And then the third is just I think the Flash, visiting him for some reason, which is weird. But yeah, you're. See- I, I'm under the assumption that, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be shown in like the Snyder Cut, that Darkseid or like that, the, like his like his like underling. Uh, I'm trying to remember what his name is. He he usually hides as Gilbert Gilbert Godfrey. Uh, not 
not Gilbert Godfrey. Um, what's his name? Dang it. I can't remember. I thought it was Gilbert something or Godfrey something. Yeah, something Godfrey. Smallville. Yeah, because he's he's in Smallville, but it, that guy. I have I have a feeling they're gonna show. Oh, Desaad, that's his name, and he is hidden as. Come on, internet. Anyways, it's not important. I have a feeling that something in it's gonna show that he, like, they came to Lex or something, or they they inputted something in Lex's mind, like you said, because like, he knows too much. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, at the end of this one, uh, he, he like he seems to be going crazy in Arkham, and then we also see him talking to Steppenwolf through uh, one of the boxes, one of the. So I, I think, like, they they kind of. Are saying like, yeah, he, uh, this dude's been uh, been exposed to them somehow. We just don't know how. Yeah, I think that like when it comes to the visions, I I, I lean very heavily towards like you know the bat one, you know being just a regular old nightmare, but the next two being all dark side kind of influences. You know, the first or well, the second vision being, hey, this is the worst case scenario that you fear that I am showing you can happen. And then the third one being the flash. I, I think that's another dark side vision. Like, yeah, you woke up from a bad dream. This is an actual thing that's crazy happening. And, Oh, you were right the whole time. Believe that you were right. So it like, you know, certifies Bruce's belief in what he has just seen, what he fears. Like I, I'm on the right path here right. because I'm pretty sure uh, like with Justice League, obviously, like that, with the whole like, you know, it's always lowest, it's been lowest the whole time. Like, is that, did they kind of retcon that a little bit? Or are we, that vision you really think they're going to play off in Flashpoint? Cause... That was a, that that's, I, I'm pretty sure that's just an injustice, like Easter egg, and that they had a plan that, like, they're saying, essentially like you're right about him he's dangerous lois is the key lois is the thing that will keep him not dangerous because they kind of refer to it in justice league when he comes back and he's like when they bring him back with the box and he's yeah he's wrong like there's something wrong with him and it's lois that brings him out of it uh it's it's kind of like that it's that because in, in injustice the whole thing is i'm sure you know but i'm just gonna like say it for the sake of the audience injustice is, is a world where uh, Lois dies, he he kills Lois accidentally because of the Joker. Um, but Lois dies, his unborn child dies, like, and he loses it. And his like his decision there is to, to kind of take over the the world and run it so that nothing like that can happen again. Yeah. But yeah, that's and I I feel like that's I feel like it was just an Easter egg to the Flash revealing that, but it was also kind of like. We could do this if we want to, but it's also just like a fun. <laughs> it's funny how they put so much emphasis on like throwing the Martha thing in your face at multiple times throughout the whole movie, and then they throw this random like dark side injustice flashpoint Easter egg ideas just right in the middle, and people are like, "Duh, I don't get it." But the, the thing that, and I'm gonna get to it more later. But the thing with the Martha thing too is the fact that they they do throw it at you this much, and there's still people who try to claim that it makes no sense or that they didn't build up to it. But I'll I'm gonna ignore that now, and I'll get to it later. <laughs> yeah. 
Alfred makes a says a line uh, that there's likely not there's not likely to be a next generations of Waynes, which either <laughs> suggests to me that there is no Dick Grayson, or that he only had one Robin and that's the one that the Joker killed, because otherwise the next line of Waynes would be his wards, right? Because like I, I we all assume that because there's a dead Robin that it's Jason, but then if it's Jason that either means there that means there's a Dick. Usually, but I guess it could mean that there is no dick. So that's that's what I took from that. Um. Yeah, I I like the idea. I, I mean, I, I felt like that was more or less just a throwaway line. Myself. Yeah, it was a it was a humor line, but because <laughs> like, Alfred's all about getting Bruce a wife or something, it seems in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but after this scene, we get the party scene where kind of where a lot happens. Uh, this is where Clark and Bruce meet for the first time. Uh, it's where Clark discovers Batman's identity, which is a lot, something a lot of people miss when they talk about this movie. Um, we see Diana for the first time. We get a really weird speech from Lex. Oh God! <laughs> uh, that's that is super weird, but it also kind of gives his point here, where he talks about the paradox between uh, having knowledge without power because knowledge is power, and he's like, I'm super knowledgeable, but I have no power, and I hate it. Um, we also get a line about freaks dressed like clowns from Bruce, which, while cool, doesn't really make sense to me, because his costume is much more garish than Superman's. <laughs> it's much more clowny than Superman's is, but okay. Uh, and we get a line from Lex about not picking a fight with Clark, which is clearly there just to be something for the trailer. Like... It's a line that, that they probably did just so it could be in any promotional material. Yeah. Um, is it just me, though, or is Lex's Abe, like, really attractive? <laughs> yeah, and I don't get where... I felt like she had a bigger role than she actually did. Well, they, I, I don't even know if they actually ever say it, like, if they ever refer to it, but she like she's Mercy Graves, who is, like, a big character, like, she, like... Um, with Lex, um, like Mercy. Did they ever say her name? I don't remember if they ever say her name, but that's that's who she is. Um, oh. She she like Harley, I believe. She comes from uh, Superman the animated series. Like that's where she came from. She was like his like android bodyguard and stuff. Um, and that's who she is. And that's who she's supposed to be in this. I just don't know if they ever actually say her name. But anyways, um, after the party, we also get a nice little montage of Clark saving people, and I actually like that we get to see it. But most of it looks really fake, so it's hard yeah. to care that much. Um, it's weird. I don't. I, I don't know what it is about Zack Snyder, but his CGI. Whenever he has a movie, his CGI always seems bad. He uh, he has a very distinguished style with all of his movies. And, uh, you know, I, I like, uh, like, I get, a, I get a lot of flack from it, like, when people bring it up. But, like, Sucker Punch, for example, super CGI, stylized movie. I really liked it for its CGI, over-the-top, stylized, you know, kind of theme. But when you, he does stuff like this, where it's mostly regular live-action environments... The CGI really gets thrown off. Yeah, it's very, it's it's too different. Yeah, 
Yeah, which is weird because he doesn't really do that in Man of Steel. Well, yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot of CGI environments, I guess, yeah. Well, yeah, because like, even in the action scenes, it still looks... Like, the CGI looks mostly like live-action based, whereas in this, he goes full Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I agree, because it's just like 300. Like, 300 is all that, and yeah. it works. But switching back and forth between them doesn't work. Um... And this is just general comment because we get a scene where Clark calls his mom and just to talk to her and like I know I've, I've seen people because I've watched a lot of like reviews and stuff or, or like think pieces I guess on this movie and on Man of Steel and stuff and I've seen a lot of people not like the Kents in these movies because they're trying to hide Clark and telling him that he doesn't owe anything to people but it's true and it's more realistic in, in this sense like this isn't Spider-Man where there is uh, with great power comes great responsibility like he has no obligation to act he chooses to yeah. and it's more realistic I think that if, like, if, if I was a parent of a child that I had adopted who I knew had superpowers or I knew was an alien I would want to hide that kid and protect them especially in this day and age because what would come with exposing him to the world is another like, let alone how people would treat him, but, like, governments would try to take him and, like, experiment on him and, and like, dissect him and stuff. Like, so I think it completely makes sense that they're, like, don't show yourself. <laughs> but that's yeah, I mean, me. this is the more... Uh, the Kents, as far as I'm really aware with my limited super uh, Superman background... Like the Smallville Kents were kind of the same way, it, even more so. Really, they were very much like, yeah, don't get involved, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yep. You know that kind of thing. So for me, like these Kents were really no different than that. It kind of seemed completely normal to me. And you're right; it makes total sense. Like he isn't from Earth. He's not a regular person. They, he that's true like he, they, he doesn't owe anyone anything and with what they like the lifestyle that they live very simple farm life getting global is so like superman challenges human understanding you know well, what i mean well yeah because we get that there's, there's this the new scene where um Neil deGrasse Tyson says because they're Superman we're no longer special which isn't true but you could see why people would think that yeah and and yeah I, I, the only kind of complaint about the Kens I get that I agree with is when Jonathan Kent dies in Man of Steel I think it's really stupid yeah like Clark could have saved you without using his powers and even if he did use his powers most people probably wouldn't have noticed like <laughs> that was I think that was really dumb but Anyway, uh, we move to another party scene where Diana and Bruce are. Because uh, Diana, I guess, stole Bruce's, like, data that he was trying to take from Lex. Um, and he keeps grabbing her, which is a no-no. And I'm surprised that he doesn't get clocked. Like, I'm surprised she just doesn't just jab him in the face. <laughs> but uh, from this, he gets the data, and we learn that Bruce's plan that he had, I guess, all along was to steal the kryptonite from Lex 
who obviously smuggled in the big rock and uh we get to see some of bruce's bad math skills from his plan because he said if one percent is a certainty uh one percent sir is nowhere close to a certainty you need about 79 more percent there before you can get even close to a certainty and even 80 percent is not that much of a certainty <laughs> but still it's it's a fun scene i i do enjoy it you get to see like the emotion and like the rage which is which is pretty good see and that's i i love I love the scene we're talking about now because, you know, with the introduction of the movie, you see, you know, clearly at the start, he's been Batman for a while. He's experienced the Joker. He's lost a Robin. He's seen good people go bad. And now there's a Superman being like, hail this, like, the next Messiah who clearly just destroyed half a city. And he's just like, yeah, okay. If there's a 1% chance this guy can completely kill us all, we need to assume that he will. Because everyone else that's been good before either died or they're bad guys now. And it's I, I love how committed he is to that fact. Like that, That's really cool. And you see it right there. And like if you're more like if you're more familiar with a lot of the like, the stuff in the background with Batman, I guess, like, you know, the death of Jason, Harvey Dent being a lawyer, then going and becoming Two-Face and so on and so forth. Like, it's really cool to see all that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you know anything about Batman, it's like he has plans, like, for everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's not it's not surprising. I just I just like to poke fun that he's bad at math. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, I agree. It, 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 it's, a, it's a really good scene. I like that we... And it, not to compare it to Civil War as it always gets compared to, but it's very like vengeance has consumed him at this point. And he needs a moment like Black Panther gets in that movie to make him realize that he doesn't want vengeance to consume him anymore. And that moment does come later. But uh, we get a more reporting from Clark and he goes to uh, the jail. He finds out Lex sends him pictures and, and newspaper articles about how a guy uh, who was branded with the bat mark was killed in prison and uh he goes there and he talks to the person's like baby mama uh and she's mad because he got killed because he was marked but i was sitting there i was like okay but he also was trafficking humans like maybe don't do that and <laughs> you wouldn't have been marked like <laughs> yeah i mean it's, it's hard to argue with that one uh, this uh, leads into the first uh, Batman and Superman confrontation, though, uh, which is also where you get the first like exposure to the Batmobile in this one. Um, and I think the Batmobile in this one's really cool. I like how it's kind of like uh, they found a middle ground between the Tumblr-esque, like the tank-esque Tumblr, and the more Comet-accurate-looking Batmobile. Like They kind of gelled the two together. Yeah, I think it's a really cool Batmobile. Like I, I'm personally more of a fan of like that animated series, almost like limo kind of like yeah. Batmobile. But for like the high action that you get from like the Tumblr, this one it looks way faster, way more like what you'd see Batman actually using realistically, and it's so cool. What he does with it is a little 
different, but yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I really like this all this stuff uh, until we have the confrontation and we get the line, "Do you bleed?" Which I think is really cool. But then he ruins it when he says, "You will," after Superman has already left. <laughs> But this kind of brings us to the elephant in the room. Uh, how do you feel about Batman killing? Because I know you're mostly a movie fan. Uh, you're getting more into the comics now, but I know you're, for the most part, a movie fan. And I guess, like, realistically, there's only okay. one movie version where he doesn't kill. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I, even though, yes, technically I'm more of the, you know, movie and animated show kind of fan. I, I'm not I know Batman like he early days like I think even in his first issue had killed people you know like I'm not like against the idea of him doing it the problem I find that people have with the whole Batman killing people thing was just how it really became popularized that he really has never done it before and it was really pushed hard in the Nolan trilogy so then people were like oh this isn't okay <laughs> yeah so like i i don't know exactly when he stopped killing but you're right he started like when he first appeared like even in his first like early appearances he had a gun and stuff like he yeah. he killed people early on but not killing has been a part of his mythos for like 60 or 70 years now so like it's 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 a big thing for a lot of people like we've seen him at his lowest moments and he still wouldn't kill like that's because that's his thing yet batfleck just be out here ganking suckers like crazy he's just <laughs> killing everyone <laughs> and it, it's wild like i think if you paint a reason like if you were to give us a live action kind of version like if you if you want to show us like a really dark batman movie where you see Batman, or like a Batman series, where like you got Batman, he gets a Robin, he trains this Robin up, the Joker kills this Robin, he kills the Joker. Like, I would watch that. And yeah. I would be okay with it, because it's kind of like, Batman has to weigh, am I going to keep letting this guy kill people, kill people close to me, because I want to protect my own like ideals, or am I going to break my one rule? to save people and then I think that that would make sense but I'm not a big fan of him just full on like ganking people in, in this I don't really I don't really care for it yeah like obviously I, I don't really care either way like I, I'm familiar enough with him to know like he's done it before and I know he typically doesn't do it so I get why people are upset it is a little jarring, to say the least, because he's obviously, the whole movie, he's preaching the fact that Superman just killed a bunch of people, but then you're, you yourself are going around running your Batmobile into a guy's face <laughs> and doing crazy stuff like that. It's just like, at least if you're going to make the argument like this guy's bad, he's killed a lot of people, you probably shouldn't run around killing a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, like, and especially it's it's jarring following the Dark Knight trilogy where he is very anti-killing. Like, I know in the Keaton Batmans, in Batman Forever, and maybe even Batman and Robin, 
he kills people and they just don't comment on it like he just he just does it um he kills a lot of people in the keaton movies like a lot a lot so it's not it's he literally pushed a guy into a sewer with a bomb strap to his chest and he just well he blows he, he shoots people with rockets like yeah <laughs> like he kills people so it's i know like the more general fans probably don't care i think it's just more like the really like in the know comic readers who are like this is this is dumb uh and they and they kind of they kind of kind of try to course correct it where he realizes what he's become like it's part of the movie and it's part of their plan but i think they could have had him still be like this kind of brutal person who needs to take a look at what he's doing without the killing but that's just that's just me um we also get a really cool shot though from this of superman walking towards the batmobile and it's why we have cgi capes it's why they do it because it's beautiful <laughs> it's it's it is flowy it's so flowy and it's so great um and then we get some two like two kind of like concurrent cool scenes of batman batmaning in to steal the kryptonite from lex and clark after the explosion in the courthouse when he's just standing in there and i oh, I, yeah, I love that it. Cool. like his face he like like he's he's standing there like he's he realizes like i couldn't save these people and this is probably going to get a lot worse <laughs> and it's great and this is where essentially lex's plan gets revealed uh after he takes lois and throws her off a roof to to like lure superman there and then he reveals he took martha it was a i think it was a good scene until he started talking too much and he started saying things like fight night and and fight 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 and <laughs> like all that kind of stuff his plan isn't dumb though like at, like in its like basicest form it's enrage one of them blackmail the other and point them towards each other but it's, again for what purpose yeah for what purpose and then also like all his steps are stupid that's the problem like i guess his his purpose is like he wants Superman gone or out of the way so that he can be back in a position of power because Superman's stealing, like, any potential power he could have. So he's just hoping Batman can kill him? He's just hoping Batman can kill him. Or worst case, he gets rid of Batman, and Superman has killed Batman, so now people hate him even more kind of thing, which I don't even see how that would result from this, but... It, Plus, he's clearly also gone ahead with his backup plan of just making Doomsday anyway. Yeah, so it's weird, and I don't really get it. Uh, we also get the Justice League email attachments here, which is really yeah. dumb. <laughs> like, like if you needed to shovel them into this movie, there, there's so many better ways. <laughs> so I actually have a question about that. Yeah. And it only really centers around Aquaman. Does this movie take place before or after? I don't know. I thought this myself. Uh, I think it's before but he doesn't have a trident. Well, he, he does. Have... He has his mom's. But I, I wanted to look up to see if he has the right one. Because he, uh, if he has the one that he gets at the end of Aquaman, then he's got the wrong one. And so <laughs> it's confusing. And I'm not sure. I don't actually know. I think it's set after. But I, I don't know. It must be after yeah because i think they mentioned it in aquaman I, I yeah i honestly can't remember i think i've only seen the movie like twice so <laughs> that's one more than me <laughs> like and i actually like that movie it's not it's not terrible but no it's not terrible 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> so we also get, a, there's such a stupid line in the email. So Bruce in the email uh, says, so because Wonder Woman's looking to get this picture of her with like, with, uh, uh, what's his name in this? Captain Kirk. Um, Steve Trevor. Yeah. Uh, and he says, she said that I'm looking for a photograph that belongs to me. And Bruce in this email says, the photograph doesn't belong to you. It is you. No. <laughs> the photograph does belong to her. It's and, just with her in it. And she is in the photograph, yes, but she is not the photograph. She is a person. <laughs> That's, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. It does sound weird when you lay it out like that. But, <laughs> but yeah, then we go right into the fight. Uh, the fight's cool. I don't really have much to say about it other than my continued belief that it's dumb to think Batman can beat Superman. Uh, do you have anything to say about the fight before I get to the, the Martha thing? <laughs> yeah, I I really like the fight. I mean, for what it is. Um, my only problem is you've clearly established that this Batman kills people. You've clearly shown him prepping to kill Superman, I'm pretty sure. Why not load up the machine guns with kryptonite bullets again? Yeah, I think I think he used so his plan was to use all of the kryptonite. So he used it all in gas grenade forms and then the rest of it's in the spear. I don't Even know why. Even one or two? Hey, come on. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't do the bullet thing. Maybe because he felt like I have a better chance of ensuring he's dead if I jab a spear through him than if I shoot him. But I don't know. I can't answer that's, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's really my only. Like I thought the fight was awesome. Like you can actually, uh, like he when he makes smoke bombs, like he there's a lettering like a chemical lettering, I guess, on the grenades for lead. So it's like okay, well Superman can't see through lead. That's really cool. So it's like it helps explain why like when Batman throws a smoke bomb, like it's not as easy as just like x-ray visioning the smoke but like he moved five steps to the left like it's just one of those little things uh well Hini, he also clark doesn't know about kryptonite at this point so like the even if he could x-ray vision the the smoke grenade there, there wouldn't be any reason he wouldn't still grab it grab it because so he shoots at him and he grabs it like he just grabs hold of it and he's like haha i stopped it and then he gets blasted oh, yeah. in the face even if he had, even if he visioned it, he still would do that because he doesn't know what's in there. Well, I meant the actual smoke bombs. Like the smoke bombs are apparently like all like lead dust or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I googled that. The more you know. The more you know. But uh, no, it was pretty cool. Like I, I thought it was. It's very similar to the Dark Knight Returns fight. I thought that fight was awesome. I thought this fight was awesome. No complaints there. Uh, might as well skip ahead to the Martha thing. Okay. So, the Martha thing. I, personally, I always got it, and it always made sense to me from my very first watch uh, of even the theatrical cut. Like, I, I got it. Um, what ruins the scene for me is Lois running over and saying, It's his mother's name! All weird. I don't like that, but 
I, I'm going to run through at least how I see it and why it makes sense to me. Uh, the movie has shown throughout that Batman still feels tremendous guilt about his parents and his mom in particular. Uh, it shows that like his mom is still in him and that he has become something bad. It comes across in multiple ways. They're getting across that Batman is now not good. And Superman saying Martha, like he using his like dying moments to say save Martha, is the moment where Batman realizes that he's become Joe Chill and that in this scenario Superman is his father using his last words to say Martha because we see the literal scene because they show it to us again where uh, Thomas Wayne gets shot and he's saying Martha as he dies so the movie makes a point of showing or saying Martha Wayne's name a few times Martha Kent's name a few times showing Batman's progression into being a bad guy slash villain in the eyes of others and then finally he sees it himself that's it like maybe they should have done a better job of telling or showing this so that more people would get it but I don't yeah. I don't know I think they, they they literally show you him putting together the pieces because they 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 run you through all of the moments in the movie that led to this in a fun little flashback thing we get again. So I, I don't think it could be more obvious after the fact. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's not even how they all intend it. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. And maybe, like, like I think you're still free to feel that this is a stupid reason to stop the fight. But to say that it doesn't make sense or to say that they only stop fighting because their moms have the same name, I think is, is silly. Yeah, I agree with you. I do. Uh, it does make sense. They do lay it up well enough, if you're paying attention, uh, that they both have the same mother's name and all that. Like, So I, I'm totally on board with it. My only problem, and it's not even with... it. It's more for the follow of this, I find. like I get that he recognizes he's gone too far and he's done this and he's done that, but it's so sudden still for me. It almost feels like Anakin again in Revenge of the Sith. Like He has established this one way, deeply committed... And regardless of whether or not their mothers have the same name, whether or not it jogs a memory and makes him realize he's gone too far, his initial logic for why he is worried about Superman is still, is still valid. Like, yeah, he's still an alien. He still came to the planet, killed lots of people. He can still be capable of doing that again. And regardless of this breakthrough that he's had he still did have that vision dream that showed superman doing all this awful stuff like that still has to be very present in right. his mind regardless but you like know what I, mean? I don't think that necessarily means like because I, I think even like even now like so even post justice league i think this batman would still have contingencies and be fully prepared to act if superman went bad yeah it's just he realized that in this moment yeah i I think it's just that he realized in this moment like this isn't this is not who i am i'm not gonna kill this guy and then 
I agree. It's sudden. Like it, it is a sudden switch to hit that. Like them being on the same side, and it is a little weird. Yeah, I'm gonna go rescue your mom. Don't worry, I got your back. And like it's just, it felt very, yeah, weird to me. But I absolutely get it. But it, I, I think, and, and I think it's it's a sudden switch. And I, but I don't think there's any other way to do it. At least with how they planned this movie. Like if if the movie was going to end with them. Like just if it, if it was if this movie was just the fight, the build up to the fight and then the fight and then the fight's over, and they wanted to end it, then they could have shown, like more of Bruce still being like, he's still disturbed, he's still broken up about this, he's still, like show him that show that he's still got more kryptonite and he's keeping it locked up, but he's not gonna kill him or even have him say, I'm not gonna kill you. I don't trust you. But this isn't who I am, kind of thing. Like. They could yeah. have done something like that, but I think the fact that they they made this decision that Martha's still in danger, Doomsday's still happening, then they they had to do it this way. Yeah, and I and I get what, like his promise when he literally says Martha won't die tonight, like it's finally his chance to stop what happened to him from happening again. Yeah. Like, and that's why why they do that. Um, but yeah. I, I don't I don't get a lot of the complaints about it. Like there's some complaints I can accept. Like I accept yours that it is sudden. Uh, it's just the, when the people say that it doesn't make sense or that it that it's just because their moms have the same name. I think that is kind of like you're being purposely blind there, and you're not not really paying attention to the what the last two hours of the movie have been doing. Um, but then this takes us to what is possibly one of the best Batman scenes put to screen. Uh, Batman saving Martha. <laughs> yeah, it is like if Arkham Batman was real. Like if if like they took like a level of this video game and put it into live action, and I love it. <laughs> I I have actually probably uh, individually rewatched this that scene of him in the warehouse saving Martha like half a dozen or two dozen times, um, just on YouTube, just because it's so. It's just so good. So good. Yeah. <laughs> like when the new Batman trailer came out with uh, Robert Pattinson, after that trailer came out, I immediately went to YouTube and watched this scene just to see, like, yeah, Batflex still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not going to give much attention to it because I don't want to, uh, because it's bad. The Doomsday stuff is okay, the fight is fine. But it's again entirely too much CGI, especially once everyone gets evolved. Uh, and like we already touched on it, it's not use of CGI that's the problem. It's just how Zack Snyder uses it, and how it's like really, really fake looking. Yeah. Uh, there's just no need to cram Doomsday into this movie. No need to cram it Death of Superman into this movie because now you've wasted that storyline. Uh, also. Bruce comes to a conclusion that Doomsday is Kryptonian. How does he know this? Like he's got no proof of that, no reason to think that. He's not aware of what Lex has been doing. He just goes, "Oh yeah, that's a Kryptonian. I'm gonna go get my spear." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because yeah, I, I forgot that the entire focus for him has been just Superman. Yeah, there hasn't been any Lex stuff. There hasn't been any thing at all that's really kind of flagged that the only Lex stuff he's aware of is that Lex had the kryptonite yeah but uh, anyways uh, 
that's all I'll say about that scene. Um, we do get a nice Dark Knight Returns Easter egg from it, though, with Skinny Clark in space after the nuke goes off, and then he like takes in the sunlight, and he is jacked again. Uh, I gotta love like how America's first plan is always to nuke something. We, we see it in the Dark Knight Returns. We see it here. We see it in Avengers. Dark Knight Rises? Dark. Well, no, they... False. Sorry. That's not America. That's the League of Shadows. But it's overkill. And it's also incredibly brazen to think that a nuke would even work on aliens. Like, it's a very American, like, thought. <laughs> uh, I also love... There's a, there's a YouTube channel I watch, and they also have a podcast that I listen to very often. Uh, Mr. Sunday Movies. They did a, a video on Batman v Superman, and they pointed out in that that all Clark had to do was toss Wonder Woman the spear... And she could have killed Doomsday. And they all would have lived. Like, he could have been like, here, I'll hold this lasso. You spear this guy. Let's get out of here. Because, <laughs> yeah. cause yeah, he... that's easy enough. Eh? Yeah, like, and, and, and that's that's all that that, that would have needed. <laughs> but you had to have Superman somehow sacrifice himself and die so that everybody would be on his side again. Yep, that's, that's what you needed. Because uh, then we get this big thing, funeral of people mourning him. And while I hate it, I do like that we get to see the two scenes. We get to see Clark's funeral and, and Superman's funeral. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's that's everything I have for this movie. I think it's fine. I, I can still watch it. I can still like it. I just I have a lot of problems with it conceptually and, and then what comes from it, i.e. Justice League. Yeah, yeah it's this movie it was could, could have very easily been one of the best superhero movies ever like Cavill and Affleck are awesome as Batman and Superman um you know I almost wish that and I, I don't know if you've seen it but Batman and Superman like world first the movie mm-hmm. I think is what it's called where like Bruce actually ends up dating Lois for a while and Bruce and Superman end up discovering each other's identity just by like their own abilities like clark just x-rays batman is like oh that's bruce wayne and (laughs) bruce like literally just follows superman home one day (laughs) like it's just really simple cool stuff like that that i would have like if they just did this like that instead i think it would have been infinitely better um obviously this movie like we have discussed on the other ones has been close ties to the Dark Knight Returns, so obviously they went for more of a angry, brutal Batman, which, in the context of, you know, a Man of Steel follow-up, makes quite a bit of sense. Uh, I just wish it wasn't as bloated as as it was. Yeah. All right, so that's, that's we'll cut that movie there and uh, go on to the next one, I guess. All right, and then we're gonna get into the last. Uh, movie for this episode, this session, uh, Return of the Joker. Return of the Joker uh, is a 2000, it's, it's so weird to just say 2000s, but it's a 2000 film <laughs> set in the uh, the same continuity as uh, Batman Beyond and Batman the Animated Series and all that. Uh, initially, this movie was not planned. They were never going to do it. Uh, the original plan, as I understand it, was that they were going to do a third film in the Batman animated series, uh, series, I guess, <laughs> following 
Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero. Uh, Mask of the Phantasm is, is considered by many to be one of the best, if not the best, Batman movies. And uh, I've never watched Sub-Zero, but I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Uh, so yeah, Batman Beyond, uh, for those not familiar was a sequel show to uh, Batman the Animated Series and the New Adventures of Batman and Robin. Uh, it takes place 20 years after those other shows, essentially. Uh, it takes place in 2019, funnily enough, uh, a year that we are past. <laughs> and in it, Batman has gotten so old that he can't Batman anymore. Uh, and a kid named Terry McGinnis comes along, and uh, he just sort of happenstances his way into being Batman. Uh, in this future world, Barbara Gordon is commissioner of the police, and most everyone else is not involved. Like, it's all kind of new characters and stuff for the most part, except for random villain appearances. Uh, this movie's kind of the exception to that. But uh, in this world, there's a gang inspired by the Joker called the Jokers, and they're all kind of based off of other Batman villains. So you have, for example, the Dee Dees, who are Harley Quinn, uh, literally her grandchildren. There's Bonk, who I think is based on Solomon Grundy. Uh, Ghoul is based on Scarecrow, etc., etc. Um, yeah, anyway, this movie's basically a mystery surrounding someone saying he is the Joker uh, emerging in Neo-Gotham despite the uh, the backgang of old's insistence that it cannot possibly be the Joker, because, you know, mystery. Uh, so we get kind of two mysteries that we follow throughout the movie. Uh, one is Terry as he tries to discover the past, and then the second is kind of trying to figure out what's going on with this new Joker. Uh, this movie sees the return to the series of uh, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker fame, uh, as the voice of the Joker. And uh, we also see Tim Drake and Harley Quinn return into the uh, animated world as they've been away since New Batman Adventures ended. Or New Adventures of Batman and Robin, whatever the heck that show's called. Um, there's also two versions of this movie out in the world. I don't know if you know that, Matt. Uh, there's the original, and then the one that was edited down so much to remove a significant amount of the violence and references to death, because there is a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, I I know they edited quite a few things when they were doing the investigations. There are certain characters on the street that you don't really... They're not portrayed the same way in the edited version. So I know like little stuff like that, but I don't remember which one I have on my movie shelf. I, I hope it's the unedited. <laughs> uh, there's an easy way to tell. Uh, I, ha I have a list where I talk about all the differences. Where is it? Uh, da -da 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 -da. Okay, so the main one, I guess, and it's kind of a spoiler, but when um, when the Joker dies, does he get shot or is he electrocuted? Oh, uh, yeah, the one I saw, I think he, he got shot. Okay. Because he's like, that's not very funny. Yeah, so that's the unedited version, so you're good. <laughs> Love it. All Love right. it. Yeah. Uh, so my memories of this movie before watching it again, when I watched it, uh, were that I loved it but I also thought it was really dark and the flashbacks always really disturbed me. Like mm. even now when I watch it, I get the urge to skip those. Cause they just kind of like, they're weirdly dark and disturbing for a kid's movie. <laughs> wow. 
that's my favorite part of this movie is the flashbacks. I, I bet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you bet. Oh, that man, makes sense. So good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I could tell. Uh, first things first, though, uh, the, the Batman Beyond suit is fantastic. I think it's one of the best Batman suits ever, like in all mediums. Yeah. Every time I play, uh, like the Batman Arkham games, if it's a cha- like if you have the choice to wear like a Batman Beyond suit, that's my suit. It's just perfect. Oh yeah, on my on the PS5, uh, I I started playing Arkham Knight again. Uh, I started fresh on hard and going through it, and I'm wearing the Batman Beyond suit. So nice. <laughs> I don't like the one in in Arkham Knight as much because it they essentially just made it the Arkham Knight costume, but it's the Batman Beyond colors. Like it's not actually a Batman Beyond suit. Whereas like Arkham City, Arkham is City is literally the Batman Beyond suit. Yeah. And with big head mode. Don't forget big head mode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but for those who don't know, I guess it's a essentially it's a whole it's an entirely black suit, uh, with a red Batman symbol on it. There's no cape. Uh, the kind of wings are formed in the arms by choice. It's like a wingsuit, it's like a wingsuit yeah. And uh it's kind of got cybernetic enhancements in it so that because Batman made it when he started getting older so that he could keep Batmaning. And then it's now it's letting Terry be Batman with minimal training, essentially, is what it what it lets him do. Uh, so it's why he can go out and beat up bad guys, even though he's a random teenager. <laughs> Which we learn he's not, but that's... You don't know that at this point, so shush. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you or how you felt about this about this one but the mystery was never really that much of a mystery to me like from the beginning i kind of always knew who the joker was like even if i was like i wasn't sure if it was the real joker it's like i know that i know who i know who that is <laughs> i just didn't know the how until the, the like the first time i watched it i didn't realize how it was him until the end but i knew who it was yeah i mean the movie's like 70 minutes long so between everything that they're recapping from like the animated series and then this new mystery is like who's the new Joker? I, I understand why like they don't have great time to kind of like lay breadcrumbs out. It's just like okay, we're gonna introduce this character. He had some bad stuff happen to him, and oh, mysteriously there's a new Joker. So it's like it's very easily foreshadowed like early on how things kind of progress. So you're like, you know who it is the whole time, but like you said, yeah, you don't know how, because truly, it, the how doesn't really make sense. When you look at the two guys side by side, it's just like, and no, I'm still not seeing it. Yeah, but I, I also, I do appreciate how much of a red herring uh, the Jordan Price character is as the yeah. Joker, because so, they, they literally gave him the same face shape, they gave him the same voice style, he's voiced by Mark Hamill, like they did everything they could to make like to try to fool people into thinking that it was him, even though I don't think anyone fell for it. Like, no. <laughs> like I appreciate that they tried. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie uh, it starts with a heist by the Jokers, the gang, not the man, uh, and Batman interrupts. Uh, so it's kind of setting the new, I guess, game pieces for this. Um, so you get to kind of see a little bit about everyone who is new. So. Uh, I, yeah, so I, yeah, I guess they're kind of setting up the movie that you could watch it without having seen the show. 
here. What I actually what, what I appreciated with that is like those the the Joker's thugs in the TV show. They were pretty much just bullies. Like they were thugs. They weren't really doing anything too villainous. I found, but like right off the bat, you're like this doesn't seem. Especially if you're like remembering the uh, the animated show, and you're just like these guys don't do this kind of thing. This is way above their their scope. And I thought like I appreciate that right off the bat. You're just like okay, you know for a fact something else is going on here because these guys are like they're they're used to just stealing people's lunch money. Yeah, well, and I think, too, that that this group of Jokers that we get in this movie are, I think they're the third or fourth group in Batman Beyond. Like, the first group was just, like, literally, like you said, it was just some bullies. Like, they were just random street punks. Kind of like the the annoying mutants in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. And then now they're actually kind of like an organized, somewhat threat. And then there's like a little fun fact. Uh, Ghoul, who is he's kind of the scarecrow knockoff of the the Joker's gang, is voiced by Michael Rosenbaum, uh, who many will know from Smallville as Lex Luthor, uh, and other things he's done that I don't I don't I don't really know what else he's done. I've seen he's him. He's the in voice stuff. of Flash. Yes, Justice he's Wally League. West in the Justice League. Yes, yeah. you are right. Um, and he's been in other DC stuff as characters. I just cannot recall what. But he, I love that his role in this movie is just to do a Christopher Walken impression. <laughs> <Hold on>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I noticed that halfway through when I was watching it last week. That that sounds like Christopher Walken. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. <laughs> and uh, another thing I didn't really like in this first scene because it, it's it happens right away uh, is Terry's kind of Batman one-liners. And we get one as like the second line of dialogue. It's like, like it's too much because he does it constantly. I mean, to their his credit, I mean, like that's one of the things that I, I enjoyed about uh, the Batman Beyond TV show was like you got the grumpy old Bruce Wayne, and then you got like the young quippy Batman. It's like it's so we talked about this before with uh, when Dick and Damien do the whole Batman and Robin thing. It's like you get the Robin who's like the more serious uptight guy and then you get the more lighthearted Batman. Yeah. It's kind of the same sort of thing here. Except, you know, Bruce is obviously still still just a grumpy old old man. But uh, those quips, as annoying as they are, I mean, they're ultimately how he kind of wins at the end, right? Yeah, and I I do really like some of them. Like, and I like how deadpan he is when he says them. <laughs> like when the DDs are like bonk, don't. He's like, yeah, bonk, don't. <laughs> and he's just like flagpole. And then what? <laughs> bonk gets hit by a flagpole. It's like, oh, I enjoy those. But uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's how I feel about Terry McGinnis a lot in the Batman Beyond show. Is I equate him to like if a Robin was Batman or. More like when I was younger and I watched this, I'd always equate him to Spider-Man. Like, it's mm. like he's like a stupider Peter Parker. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I started watching the series again the other day, too. Like, just before I started, I watched this movie. And it's still kind of confusing to me where Terry learned to fight. Like, like I mentioned, I know the suit is supposed to be doing most of the work. But still, like, it can't all be genetics. Because genetics don't teach you karate. Like... <laughs> It's 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 kind of strange because he he does it out of the suit as well quite often in the show and even in this movie. Yeah, 
like they uh i don't know i can't remember if the show really doubles down on it at all but i would assume bruce would have given him over the years some training well the the, the show and the comic both suggest that he's being continually trained by bruce but like even early on he's quite competent mm-hmm. and i guess maybe you could say like if, if you were to guess you could say like they might have mentioned he did gymnastics in, in school like i can't remember uh, and I know he went to juvie, so he might have learned how to fight in juvie or something. Like who knows, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's a criminal. Yeah, he was a bad, he was a bad boy. <laughs> God, unreal. Uh, but yeah, anyway, the, the scene ends kind of with Batman beating them up and stopping them from stealing the thing, and he does another one-liner. Uh, he says, "That ain't coming out of my allowance." Uh, and then boom, title card. <laughs> and we we hop into the the movie and we kind of get our first look at old man Bruce. Uh, and his Hannibal Lecter looking ass using a batarang to decapitate a two-faced dummy for some reason and then says yeah. to himself, I still got it. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, Bruce. <laughs> I I love this old Bruce. Like, oh, I so really do I. Do. I, I, <laughs> I joke that he looks like Hannibal Lecter because he does, but I love him. I love the character and how crotchety he is. That's the one thing I don't like about the comics. Like, I've been reading a lot of the comics afterwards, and he doesn't look like old man Bruce. He, he like in the comics he just looks like an old man most of the time. Like just any old man. He doesn't have that look that you're so used to because of the show. So no, no, no. Oh, okay. They changed it up, did they? Yeah, they it's just like with the different artists, they they changed it up a bit and I'm not I'm not big on it. Hmm. But I I do like it's something that we sh- we see here right away because he Terry takes off the costume and he talks to Bruce. Uh, and you hear that he has a very different voice for himself and for Batman. And, like, there's no rasp or growl. He just sounds different. Are you talking about, like, when they do the flashbacks? or No, uh, like, so just Terry, when he's, when he's Batman, his voice is much deeper and monotone. And then when, oh. he's just, when he's just out being Terry, he has a much higher pitch, like, lighter voice. You know, I don't think I've ever actually noticed that. Just, like, even if you just go watch, like, any one scene where he's Batman and then where he's Terry there's like a massive it's it's a very it's a noticeable difference which is like it makes sense why no one like would recognize his voice huh uh that was and, cool. yeah and we also see bruce with a puppy uh <laughs> he's got ace nice. there's multiple theories as to where the name ace comes from there's the more obvious one ace the bat hound from the comics um but then there's also for most people who watch the justice league um Justice League Unlimited ends with like a fast forward epilogue where Terry McGinnis discovers that he's technically Bruce Wayne's kid or a clone of Bruce Wayne or something. It's 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 weird. But uh we get to see like a backstory of, of Bruce with a little girl named Ace. Uh she's part of the Royal Flesh Gang and she dies. Like it's it's incredibly sad. It still makes me cry if I watch it today. <laughs> and like a lot of people think that the dog was named after her, but it's, oh, it's, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, it's it's most likely the bat hound thing, but <laughs> but it, I like the ace idea. I really liked the uh, I don't know where what you see it in, but there was actually an episode where they uh, show Bruce like finding finding Ace and how like he actually ended up like saving him one night and they formed a relationship that way. It was so cool. And in this movie, like Ace is. He's basically like a little Rob. He like rides around with Batman and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Helps save the day. He's super useful. 
Thank God he didn't get a chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then we go to like a... Terry goes to a dance club somehow with his girlfriend Dana. So like first off, how'd they get into a club? And then second off, she orders coffee there. Like what kind of a club has coffee? A super futuristic one. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I... You know one thing, I don't know if you've noticed this, and I seriously doubt it because it's so left field, but every time I watch like a, a club scene in these this movie, and then even in the show, these like bar club places are like multi-level places. There's no railings yep. anywhere. There's no railings, and everyone in the background is the same color as the lights, except for Terry and whoever he's with. I'm more concerned about the no railings. Well, yeah, but the, the Death Star didn't have railings either, so it's fine. <laughs> what? They had one or two. No, uh, if I remember correctly, some one of the like the movies, one of the like edited versions added in railings, but they didn't. They didn't <laughs> have railings. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear God. But then we get uh, we go to the Joker's hideout, and we kind of get the Joker of this movie's introduction uh it just starts with you hearing the voice and and if you're anyone who grew up on batman the animated series or the new batman and robin adventures you you know that voice (laughs) and then the glowing red eyes come in and then he's like in a shadowy silhouette until he emerges into the light after he kills bonk with his flag gun oh (laughs) it's such a captivating like appearance of the joker yeah you you hear Mark Hamill's voice, and then you see those two beady red lights in the dark, and it's just like, holy smokes. He hasn't done anything yet, and you're like, this is a really scary dude. It's so good. And it's like, that's why, like, as soon as you hear the voice, you're like, yeah, that's the Joker. <laughs> that's him. Uh, and then uh, pretty much we get right into, like, right into the, 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 whatever the word is, the gist of it, the... We get full on in because the Joker crashes a Bruce Wayne party, which feels like a something that the Dark Knight references <laughs> later. But um, and we get the first instance of Hamill's great Joker laugh, which I don't think has been topped yet. No. Uh, and he sets up some sets up some bombs, and he definitely killed a few people here too. Like you can clearly tell. Um, and then we get a nice uh, Captain America reference, too, when Ch- Terry tries to guess how the Joker's alive. And he says, uh, it's suspe- suspended animation floating around in a box of ice. <laughs> so I, I like that. Um, but yeah, that scene was... I, I enjoyed that scene quite a bit because uh, you get to see that Bruce Wayne still kind of has it. But he's also, like, he's old and, and can't hang anymore. You see that people remember who the Joker is, even though it's been probably like 30 years since he's been around 30 or 40 years um you get some more hamels lines which is always nice and then you get to see the joker's gang kind of being actually competent because they successfully steal the thing at this point don't they uh well they this that whole meeting like when they bust that party i don't think it's to steal anything i was pretty sure they were just that was them sh- making just an entrance, was it not? Well, no, the Joker does it uh, to distract them so that they don't know that he's sneaking, that the Joker's right. are sneaking into the Wayne uh, building to take the, whatever the thing was. I can never remember what it's called, but. The, uh, 
that's the scene where he shows. Like, I I get chills actually, and like maybe a little bit of goosebumps when uh, like the crowd's going on, and then you just hear his his laugh like echoing through the crowd, <laughs> and you can you like you hear it, you see it on Bruce's face like right away, like he see he hears it, and it's just like he's remembering like Normandy or something like it's yeah. just instantaneous. He's like, what was that? Yeah, it makes and then the me smoke wish and he comes up like, Oh, it's so good. It makes me wish I could do the voice. Cause he's like, hi, I got some jokers back in town. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh it's you know, amazing. I bet if you play uh, the Batman Arkham games enough and just keep reloading the same scene, just die. Practice, <laughs> just practice it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, but this, at this point, uh, Terry is now like, come on, what's who's who, what's the story with the Joker? Um, and he goes to see old Lady Barbara to try to get the Joker story, but she's like, nah, get out of here. And we get our first glimpse of old man Tim Drake here, which at this point you're like, yeah, it's him, okay. <laughs> but then uh, Bruce is being super insistent, yeah, because he's saying that he like he's sure the Joker is dead. Because he was there when he died, and Terry kind of guesses that Bruce killed him because the Joker was going to do something so bad that he had no other choice. And Bruce doesn't deny it. So the mystery kind of continues. But Bruce does try to take the suit back in a weird attempt to protect Terry, which is interesting. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it'd be... Like, for all the time that Terry's clearly put into being this Batman, like, you would think he's not gonna just be like, yeah, okay, you told me not to do do it anymore, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna listen to you now, and clearly there's, like, the biggest bad guy we've ever seen is back, it's not in his blood anymore, so it's really weird that he thought that that would be enough to send him away. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, especially in this animated series, like, universe, uh, cause at this point they've established, like, a whole universe in it. Uh, with all the shows and the added comics and stuff. Uh, I think Bruce, like, the biggest flaw with Bruce is that he thinks everyone's a soldier and that everyone will listen to him. So when, like, if he does something, he just assumes people will get why and they'll listen. (laughs) And that's just not really how people work. Oh, Bruce. Yeah. Doesn't make sense, does it? No, not at all. But, uh, random thought here that I noted, because we go to Terry's house, uh, his little brother Matt has a huge head. It is it is not at all proportional to his body. <laughs> He's got a massive head. That's a very weird thing to pick up on, but well, go, I, mean, I don't think you're wrong. I do think it stood out a little bit. Google Matt McGinnis and look at, <laughs> look at his head. <laughs> Matt McGinnis. Is it M A Guinness? Uh, M C. His head, his head is so big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all I'm seeing are all these pictures of him by himself or Future State, which I didn't realize he was going to be in, so that's kind of cool. I don't think but, that's... Uh, that's not Future State, that's Future's End, I believe. Oh? Future's End was... Um, oh, yeah. Future's End was the time... And, it, and it was, I was actually going to recommend that you read it. Uh, so it's a weird thing. So Terry gets brought back in time a little bit. And he dies trying to protect uh, an older Tim Drake. So this is like a Tim Drake who's like an adult. Um, 
like 20 in his 20s or 30s uh and he stopped being like a vigilante and whatever but anyways when terry dies uh tim decides to go into his future like terry's time and be batman because it needs a batman and he meets matt mcginnis and stuff and, and that's the whole future's end arc oh okay so for a long there's a there's a decent and, it, and it's a good it's actually a decent read um where it's Tim is uh, Batman, and then presumably Matt becomes his Robin, as I can tell by these photos, but I have not gotten to that part yet. <laughs> so, now I know. But Yeah, I'm not too... Like, it's funny, I, I, I have the like first first few issues from Batman Beyond, like the comic books. Like, I got one through six. I don't know how you'd, if you'd call that a string of issues or a set or what. One through six is usually a, a story arc, or like it's oh. usually what would be in a graphic novel. Like if you got a a, a collected graphic novel, is usually six issues. Oh, okay, so I mean I I got those, but I don't I haven't weirdly enough had any kind of uh, intention to kind of go and try and find more. Oh well, yeah, but more yeah. of the Batman Beyond and books. There's like seven different volumes, like seven different versions of the Batman Beyond comic books. So, yeah, <laughs> it's quite, quite a bit. Yeah, uh, but anyways, back to the movie. Um, the Joker's attack Terry in plain clothes. So, it, like when he's out with Dana, so it, it's kind of like suggesting that the Joker seems to know who he is. Uh, and while the Joker's are attacking Terry, the Joker uh, invades the Batcave. Which kind of, I think is the biggest hint to this point as to who the Joker is uh, at, at this point of the of the movie. Uh, and then uh, Joker gasses Bruce here, and we get I think what's a really like well acted scene by Kevin Conroy, and it's an eerie moment of Bruce just laughing, like in pain. <laughs> yeah, Batman's not really known for his laughter, so to hear Kevin Conroy like he's obviously dosed with the uh, Joker toxin and he's like on the ground having a hard time laughing and you're like man he's really struggling having to deal with this yeah <laughs> uh, but then pretty much after this happens and, and once Terry's identity has been compromised he demands uh, the truth of what happened and then we get into the flashbacks uh, the disturbing flashbacks um we learn that Robin, who was uh, Tim Drake at the time, was kidnapped by Harley Quinn and the Joker, uh, and he was tortured to the point where he revealed all the Batman, all the Bat family's identities uh, to the Joker, and he went insane. Uh, and they kind of tortured him and, and messed with him to the point where he thought he was the child of the Joker and Harley, uh, called JJ or Joker Junior, I believe, is what it was, what it stood for. Um, they had him for three weeks, I believe, but until uh, Bruce and Barbara find him. Uh, and during the confrontation, Harley apparently falls to her death. Uh, JJ kills the Joker, and then he laughs and cries. Like the laugh turns into cry, and it, it just—it's real messed up. <laughs> like I just—I don't like watching it. <laughs> it was such a uh, compelling scene for me because I was just like, you know. You always hear about how Batman and the Joker, they're always going to be fighting. And then finally this uh, this movie, you get like a really great conclusion to that. And you're like, there's no way that the Joker-Batman conflict ever ends like a 
good way. It's going to be awful. And, uh, you know, you see the fact that, yeah, Joker, like, corrupted this child, drove him insane, and pushed the Robin to actually kind of kill him. Like, that's that's probably one of the darkest things that they've done with, uh, I'd say that scene in particular is probably worse than what happened to Jason. As weird as that sounds, Jason died. Yeah, but Jason Jason also got tortured and beaten. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't like... And then he got blown up. Then he got blown up. <laughs> but he didn't get tortured and then turned into a Joker and then almost forced to kill his like surrogate father. Yeah, I still think Jason has this one, especially when he has to... <laughs> when he has to like drag himself out of his own grave like <laughs> yeah i guess but this scene was far more visually oh my god oh than, yes than the other ones oh yes it, it's it's super intense uh it's very interesting and it is probably the most like the joker a lot of the times and you kind of said it yourself is like he, he it seems like he's playing a game with batman rather than like doing anything like super evil and like yeah. this like the two main things like the two times of the joker doing things that are just like yeah um, i guess three uh would be jason this and then uh an injustice when he uses oh. like fear toxin mixed with laughing like with his joker gas to, to kill a bunch of people and then he 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 does he blow up? He I think he blows up the Daily Planet. He tricks Superman into killing Lois. Like it's it's a whole thing. Definitely went all out in the. Uh, I I loved that Injustice storyline for how that went. That was really cool. Yeah, the only thing about it is like he probably wasn't expecting that he would get killed right away and like not get to be there for any of it, but he does. <laughs> Yeah, Superman definitely didn't hold back any. No, not at all. Uh, but yeah, this is the point of the movie where it becomes super obvious who the main suspect of the Joker is. Uh, like, at this point, even if you're not like super with it, if it isn't Jordan Price, it's Tim Drake. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's an unclear timeline, though, because Tim says it's been almost 40 years. Yet, if you Google the show, it says it picks up 20 years after the end of the new Batman and Robin adventures. So I'm assuming that's not right. I'm just assuming it's been 20 years since Batman stopped being Batman. Uh, well, I mean, he probably... No, because he kept going clearly at the start of the series. He was going longer. Um... But yeah, so like, that's what I mean. Was it 20 years from when he, at the beginning of the series, he said no more to when Terry showed up or has it been like actually 20 years and then Tim's just a liar <laughs> is it possible they're just not counting all that Batman and Robin stuff what do you mean but I mean it's like uh, I guess I don't really know either like I would just suspect that it's probably been you know that 40 years since like maybe the Joker died. That seems like it's really pushing it. Well, like that, the, the the forty years isn't the problem. The the thing that's just confusing for me is the where they've they've said that the uh, Batman Beyond takes place twenty years after. Uh, but then even then it wouldn't make any sense because Batman's not fifty or sixty 
at the end of the new Batman Adventures. And I, I believe they say he's in his late 70s and 80s in in Batman Beyond, so... I don't know. It's probably not important. <laughs> yeah, you're just confusing me now. Yeah, I'm gonna just pull up the Batman Beyond page here real quick and see, because <laughs> now I'm curious. <laughs> see if they mention something in the timeline. Where is it? Yes, it's set about 20 years after the new Batman Adventures. Alright, whatever. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, Jor- they kind of like set up again that Jordan is probably the Joker, but they confirm very quickly that he's not the Joker because the Jokers like, kill him. <laughs> so... Uh, or try to kill him. Terry saves him, and young old Timothy is the only suspect left, and Terry's the only one who kind of susses it out. Yeah, no one else is willing to like, which is just kind of surprising, but that no one would suspect, like, given their background, that there was even a possibility that, you know, Barbara and Bruce were like, no, there's no way it's Tim. Yeah. There's no way. Like, uh, I mean, you guys kind of you deal with crazy people. What's stopping him from? flipping a switch down the line or just they didn't like it's easy like they they maybe you just didn't fix him right like you didn't fix yeah. him all the way like but uh we learned that that's not the case at all we learned that somehow the joker installed a chip into the back of tim's neck that lets him take control of tim's body it's odd that no one ever noticed this on his neck and it's weird that the chip completely alters tim's body shape face shape and hair on occasion (laughs) but but you know i guess future stuff um even though it would have been not the future when he installed this but okay uh i one thing i do love though is that the joker in this calls terry bat fake all the time (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing is like he's mark hamill's joker is so like quippy himself and that bat fake thing is like that would maybe annoy I don't know someone else but Terry's like he can roll with those punches and he dishes them back out just as well yeah <laughs> like he just the way that he, Terry fights the Joker is to kick him in the dick then mock him <laughs> and then electrocute the chip on his neck like he, he spends a good few minutes just making fun of the Joker yeah. <laughs> like, and it's great um but yeah, so we get to see Ace the Bat Hound. He kind of is the hero of this movie as he saves Terry on multiple occasions when he's fighting the Joker. Uh, we also see a lot of people die when the Joker uses his, like, sky laser to try to blow up Terry. He's just blowing up streets and buildings that you can see people were on. Like, <laughs> So I, I can definitely see why it was edited to be more kid-friendly because by this point in the movie, like, probably, like, tens to maybe hundreds of people have died on screen like it's it's a little it's a little crazy i i can't remember i feel like there's a big there's a big controversy or reason as to like another reason why they they specifically decided to uh um re-edit it i could have sworn there was something well they they re-edited a lot of stuff so they re-edited Initially, I think it was because the rating it was given was... I think it, it was encroaching on R. And they're like, well, we can't really release this. 
Oh, I'm just checking on um, Google, but they say that it was it had to be re-edited just before because of uh, oh Columbine. Columbine stuff. Yeah, yeah. right. So Columbine which is part of it, and then yeah, so like there's a whole list on the Wikipedia page of what's been edited. So like there's a lot of references to death. Uh, the part where Batman Bruce uh, uses a batarang to like behead a statue. Two Face is cut. Uh, bonk getting shot is cut. Uh, a lot of the blood is removed. The Joker dies differently. He only gets kind of drowned and electrocuted. They don't really show it. Uh, it's a bunch of other things. So sad. Yeah. But I guess it's fair because like this one is is even with all the edits, it was PG thirteen. So like. <laughs> It's the first Batman animated movie to be PG thirteen, if I if I remember correctly. Would you say this one was like how would you compare its kind of uh, dark level to like say the Killing Joke or any of the other movies? Do you think nothing's else like animated at least has really topped it? Violence wise, when once you watch it, Son of Batman is incredibly violent. Oh, okay. there's there's blood all over the place. You get to see like burnt corpses, like. There's swear words. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty violent. Um, this one's just more shocking because it comes from a show that was like meant for kids, so it just seemed weird, more mm. weird than this. Where it's like, the DC animated movies that have been coming out recently. It's like they've accepted like these aren't kids movies. These are the movies for the really like big fans that just want to see, comic books, stories like on the screen. Like, so it's fine. Yeah, well, that, that's what most of us want. Like, the shows that realize it, or the people that realize, like, the movies that realize it are the best. Like, you look at Young Justice. It started off quite kid-friendly, and then it became, once they realized their audience was mostly teenagers and adults, it adapted. And Clone Wars is the same. The first season's very child-based, and then they realized their audience was teenagers and adults, and they adapted it. And then uh, Avatar The Last Airbender is the same. The first season was very child-oriented, and they realized what their audience base was, and they adapted it. Like, adapt- it's good when they can do this. It's, yeah, it's good when you, they can do that, and they pay attention to that kind of stuff. So I, I appreciate that. It's like, it's like my problem. Like, that's one thing I love about Marvel, the Marvel movies, is they don't do that. They, they don't adapt their films to the casual fans. They're like, if you didn't see the last four movies before Infinity War, that's on you. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna simplify this so that you can keep up. Like we're gonna we're gonna tell the story as the movies allow it to be told and you can choose whether or not you want to be fully on board. <laughs> you know it's I know it's a little off off focus, but that's the only problem I have with where they're going now is because they have been that way. And now they have like another twenty, what, like twelve to twenty shows coming out. Like, man, I don't got enough time or energy to watch all these shows. Yeah, that at that point, that's fair. Uh, when they've got so, when the when the content's starting to get that heavy, I can see why that becomes more important. And I feel like when they do like group movies, like if we get another Avengers movie, I don't think it's gonna be the same. Where you're gonna have to know every little thing that happened in the shows. Like they'll remind you of the stuff that's important. Yeah, because like, uh, I I know you were a big fan of a Daredevil, like the Marvel show. Oh yeah, I love Daredevil. 
with the rumors being that he, Matt Murdock's going to be in Spider-Man 3 as well, someone's going to be like, oh, I never watched that show. Now i got to watch that show to know who this guy is, like what his story is. And but also, watch, like, what, three seasons of that? Well, no, you can just watch one season. You'll know who he is. Like, Yeah, like, but it, I mean, <laughs> like that, some people just do like, it. No, it's too much. Well, then that's on you. Like, <laughs> Just uh, do it. It's just one of 20 more shows, man. But it's like a book, right? It's like a... Or a comic, like, if you want to jump into a comic book series, you, you can jump in at issue 12 if you really want to, and you'll probably find your way eventually. Or you can go back and start at one and catch up. Like, it's it's just kind of how it works in these interconnected, any kind of interconnected series. Yeah, like, I know you're right. I'm just saying. Yeah, so and, much. Yeah, and that's fair, like, like, cause I know there's gonna be some of the Marvel shows that I'm not gonna watch probably just cause I don't really care. Like, so it's, it's not even a time thing. Like, I I didn't watch. Daredevil was the only one I kept up with of the Netflix shows, Daredevil and Punisher. The rest I stopped watching after the first seasons of them. Mm. So like, if they decided to bring Luke Cage into into the movies, I don't I don't know what's going on with him. I didn't watch the other two seasons he had or one season. Like, but, honestly, you super punch guy. Yeah, but like. Yeah. It's, it's what I like. My point is, it's just it's easy to find out. Yeah. Like yeah, even afterwards, true. if you see the movie and you're a little confused, you can just go, okay, I'm gonna go brush up, and then I'll get it. Like, I, I think people have the choice, and 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 I I like that. Yeah. Well, you're definitely rewarded. Like if you haven't following it the whole time, like you're definitely rewarded a lot more than someone that hasn't been. Exactly. But yeah, um, <laughs> this movie, I guess, ends. Uh, the, they get the chip out of Tim and he's starting to get back to normal. Uh, we get a Grandma Harley Quinn cameo. And then Bruce and Tim get reunited for the first time, I guess, since the JJ thing, uh, which is nice. But it, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Um, I watched it after a few rough days at work and I was half awake, so I, did, I hope I didn't really miss too much in these notes uh but it's a nice short fun little jaunt uh it's a good movie i i i watch it on occasion like every every year every couple of years i'll throw it on and i'll give it a watch it's it's just one of those yeah i uh i was checking out uh some like batman scores like to see where this kind of places in a lot of cases and I don't know, I'm on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know when this article came out, but they list uh, The Dark Knight as number the number one Batman movie. That was 2008. That's at 94%. On the actual uh, Batman Beyond uh, Return of the Joker, that's rating at a 92. Yeah. So it's just below, at least according to this, if you were to scale it the same way, it's just a below uh, The Dark Knight 2008, and it's higher than apparently the Batman Lego movie at 90%. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of times I don't like going off that too, because that's like the people like when, when, when I ask someone who the best Batman, what the best Batman movie is like the dark Knight is a completely acceptable answer. And I don't want to sound like I'm gatekeeping here, but that's what it's going to sound like. Um, when I ask what the best Batman movie is, if you've not seen half of them, like then I <laughs> I don't know how much like ground your answer holds. So I think like the people who are voting for like 
who are voting up Lego Batman probably have not seen Return of the Joker, and they've probably not seen Mask of the Phantasm or Under the Red Hood or any of the other ones we've talked about. <laughs> yeah, most, like, at least the ones clearly on this scale is a lot of, like, just the uh, main live-action theater releases. The only animated one from, like, the TV show would just be the Mask of the Phantasm. That's at number five. Well, Mask of the but... Phantasm was the only one that was theatrically released. It, it had a very short theatrical release, but it was technically theatrically released. Yeah, I don't know if... I don't think that's how this one is being ranked, because The Killing Joke is on there, too, and I don't think that was theatrical at all. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's just a nice little thing to see. Like, I know it's not the the greatest confirmation of where the kind of quality of the movie lies, but... At least based off this, that's a those are really high, uh, highly regarded movies to be in the same comparison to, which is really cool to see for well, yeah. a seventy six minute animated movie. And like like I said, I, I I am fully accepting of the Dark Knight being up at the top. Uh, I think the Dark Knight is probably the best live action Batman movie. Whether it's my favorite or not is irrelevant. It's it's like I think, kind of like decidedly the best. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, see what else did i have for this one uh, i mean you really covered the you know we covered the story beats well, that's how you can tell i was amazing. <laughs> that's how you can tell i was tired is that i went very plot heavy instead of actually commenting <laughs> on the movie like this is one of the ones i watched in bed too like i saw i, was, yeah. I typed it on my phone <laughs> no i uh i'm really happy with it like all the performances were amazing where it fits in the has a really good connection between like the animated series and then the actual Batman Beyond animated series is really cool. Yeah, and seeing like that, you know, hidden finale to the Batman and Joker and it being so so dark was a huge win for me. It's still amazing. Yep, and I do have a fun fact about this movie. Technically, um, what's well, a fun fact ish? Harley Quinn was uh the studio and many of the writers wanted Harley Quinn to die in this. So when she falls off the building, they wanted it to be pretty clear that she died. And uh, Paul Dini, who is the person who created Harley Quinn, a lot of people don't really know that Harley Quinn was created in the animated series. And she was so popular that she got brought into the comics. Um, But he put his foot down. He's like, no, I don't want to kill Harley Quinn. Like he didn't want to kill this character he created. uh, So they changed it and made her like fall less deadly and then they showed her as i mentioned at the end of the movie uh with the cameo as as the old grandma <laughs> yeah i thought that was cool yeah you know the fact that she somehow got away and it didn't quite I, i'm assuming she just realized she couldn't find the joker anymore and that he was dead so she just also moved on yeah there's a <laughs> not to sound like a total nerd but i've read like like fan theories and stuff or like fan like wishes like they call it like the fan canon uh where like people are saying if harley had been around in death of the family she would have left the joker at that point like and i feel like that's kind of what they were trying to get at here too is like even though she went along with it i think probably being away from him and like realizing what he did she's probably like i, I i'm probably done with this <laughs> like yeah because she derides the, the girls for getting arrested like she like when she picks the DDs up from prison. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, she clearly went off and 
had some sort of life after the fact. Uh, yeah. I did like, yeah, old old man or old lady. Old Lady Harley was pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that touch. Um, but yeah, that's all, all of these session of movies. I know we're going to do another three or four. I don't know if you decided if you wanted to do the fourth one or not. Um, I'm Let's pro- just do the three. Okay, yeah, I'm probably going to watch the fourth one anyway just because I've never seen it. But oh. it'll be good not to take notes on it, so that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the next ones we'll be doing will be The Son of Batman which is the kind of theatrical introduction of Damian Wayne. Uh, then we have Batman versus Robin, which is the kind of theatrical introduction of uh, the Court of Owls. And then uh, uh, Batman Hush, which is an adaptation of the incredible Hush storyline. And I've never seen... I Before I watched these ones, uh, like full disclosure, I've watched... Son of Batman and, and Batman and Robin at this point, or Batman versus Robin. Um, but before I watched them, I'd only seen Son of Batman once years ago when it came out. Uh, I'd never seen Batman versus Robin. This was the first time I'd seen it, and I've never seen Batman Hush, so it's going to be a, a first time for me on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I I have the Hush uh, anthology comic collection thing where you get all the issues. Yeah. I've got a couple from the actual... Uh, from that that run graded but i haven't watched the movie i haven't read that anthology yet so it'll be all new for me i don't know how uh similar it is to the books but it'll be really cool to see it regardless and yeah then, I'm, uh, I'm curious how they're gonna do it because it's it's it, it's gonna be interesting because there's so many different things set up it was a long like when you look at how many issues there were and all the different characters that they bring in it's gonna be a long Lots of characters, lots of jumping around, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Well, Hush, I, I own the graphic novel for that as well, and I brought it with me to Fan Expo one year because Jim Lee was supposed to be there, and Jim Lee does the art uh, for Hush. And I read it whenever, like, I'd, I'd be reading it while I was sitting in lines for stuff, and I brought it for the purpose of getting it autographed uh, by him. And I'm still sad because his lines were so big that they capped it, and then they started giving out little tickets for people, and I just never got one. Uh, so I just never got it. I never got it signed. But it's it's an incredible book, and I hope the movie is is even close to being as good. Yeah, Jim Lee definitely. Uh, his work probably made the book as successful as it actually was. Like, I know the the content was pretty solid too, and like getting a new villain kind of thing. But like Jim Lee's art has just been awesome. Like it's surprisingly it's shaping up to be one of my. He's becoming one of my favorite. Uh, artist from what i've been seeing i keep gravitating to a lot of his stuff yeah no he's he's very good a lot of people like didn't like him especially early on like if you like especially when he was working on x-men people didn't like him because just like i guess they felt like he was like making everyone too pretty and (laughs) but i like his art i think it's very nice to look at and and all that fun stuff but yeah it's it's definitely one I'd, i'd recommend people to read um that one and then he was also part of the art on on uh all star batman and robin which i've talked about before i think on this uh which is a retelling of robin's origin uh by frank miller and 
with art by Jim Lee, and it's it's pretty intense. <laughs> is it All Star? It's just All Star Batman. Is it like number one, or is that the whole run of them? Uh, it's All Star Batman and Robin, and there's I think ten issues. It was supposed to keep going, but it got kind of stopped because this this was back when Frank Miller was still kind of. Uh, there was a period in like the late two thousands where he was not super reliable and he didn't want to do the work and so like it got it got canceled and a lot of fans really didn't like it like because like Batman's like te- like real like it's it's different <laughs> it's it's different but I I enjoy it yeah I'll have to ch- I'll have to check it out I just picked up uh... I actually I'm having a a serious mental problem and that I'll need your help with sometime I think <laughs> kind of decide what I'm going to start looking at getting after Batman or alongside Batman Spider-Man see the thing is Spider-Man's too big man I'm thinking Venom that's, or Spawn that's going to be a lot oh uh, that, both of those will be a lot of money a lot Spawn, of money Spawn's really cheap in comparison yeah the gig but to get I get it I guess <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this not on the podcast but it, I would assume to get graded stuff with the peak Todd McFarlane will be will be costly. But anyway, well, that's why I'm gonna need your input because you'll look, you look, and you'll see. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, we'll anyway. go over that one. Yeah, uh, and then hopefully once we're done with the Batman stuff, you'll want to keep doing stuff, and we'll find something else to do, and we'll keep this going. No, I have, I have some ideas, some stuff I'd love to join in on. Perfect. But yeah, so that's the end of this episode, and then the, like, technically part three, but was meant to be part two of the Batman Talks, and we'll be back for part four, meant to be part three, <laughs> sometime down the line. Cool. No, I look forward to it, man. Yeah, me too. Okay, bye, podcast. Say bye, podcast, Matthew. Bye, podcast.